This is the John Oakley Show podcast. There was a press conference that was uh, held by Innocence Canada. Uh, that's uh, a group advocating for the wrongly convicted. James Lockyer is one who advocates for the wrongly convicted, has been for 26 years, co-founder of Innocence Canada and a well-known criminal defense lawyer here in town. Mr. Lockyer, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Uh, good to be here. So you had this press conference earlier today. Uh, maybe we can start by just uh, finding out what was the point and purpose of it. Well, uh, I have to preface it by just quickly explaining that the present uh, system for people who have been wrongly convicted is they have to uh, go to the justice minister in Ottawa and convince her or him that they've been wrongly convicted, which you can probably well imagine is a pretty tall order. Um, and, and we've been advocating for 26 years for uh, the creation of an independent tribunal to take that role from the justice minister. And last week, uh, the liberals made that part of their platform to create an independent uh, tribunal to, to deal with claims of wrongful conviction uh, if and when they're elected. And uh, the NDP and the Greens have also come on side. Uh, we're still waiting to hear from the bloc and the conservatives as to their position. But it, it's, uh, it's not a partisan issue. It's a human rights issue. Uh, we need a, a decent system to address claims of wrongful conviction, and we don't have one in Canada at the moment. All right. So uh, what you want to do in reforming, I guess, the criminal justice system and cleaving off uh, this independent review board, as you say, uh, for claims of wrongful conviction. So it kind of reverses the onus, if I've got it right. Uh, and how would that work, practically speaking, though? How do you go about uh, making the claim and then proceeding? Well, you would make an application, do it by letter, uh, to uh, the independent tribunal, and then they would uh, investigate your case uh, to determine whether, indeed, you, you had been wrongly convicted. And, and it's a system that's uh, been employed in a number of countries now in the last 25 years, uh, in particular in, in uh, uh, England and Scotland. Uh, it exists, and it's been extraordinarily successful. It's revealed uh, significant numbers of wrongful convictions uh, and uh, has provided, therefore, a, a really good back end for a criminal justice system that is a human system and therefore makes mistakes. Well, as uh, has been pointed out, and I was reading something that was said by David Milgard, uh, one of the people that you advocate along with, certainly a celebrated story, this one, uh, Mr. Milgard, 23 years for a crime he didn't commit. Uh, yeah. He talked about the Glen Assoon case, a uh, gentleman from Nova Scotia. Yes. Uh, and this is the former Justice Minister, Jody Wilson-Raybould, who allowed his case to sit for 18 months after she was advised uh, a probable miscarriage of justice had taken place. But it sat on her desk. It went nowhere. That's an injustice. Uh, it is. And, and to his credit, her replacement, uh, Minister uh, uh, Lametti, uh, within six weeks of his uh, uh, appointment as Justice Minister, uh, ordered uh, that uh, Glenna Soon's case go back to the uh, Nova Scotia courts. And you know how long it took to, for the Nova Scotia courts to deal with it? Uh, approximately four minutes. Wow. He uh, was exonerated. Uh, by a judge of the Nova Scotia Supreme Court uh, with ringing words. Uh, uh, and and uh, it, was, it was a tremendous moment for him. But heavens knows why he had to wait so long. Well, he, I know why he had to wait so long, because of the system that presently exists. And, and uh, you know, Raybol Wilson sat on it, and she shouldn't have. 
uh, thank heavens Lamedi didn't. And, and uh, indeed, we met with Minister Lamedi in March, and we advocated uh, for the creation of the independent tribunal. And whether it was us he listened to or someone else, and I suspect it was probably us, uh, uh, God bless him, uh, he, it's now part of a liberal platform, and the NDP and the Greens uh, have joined in. Right. And so at this time, I guess it's uh, propitious or advantageous to uh, press the case and finally get the ear of the federal parties, because, of course, Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, this is. uh, But, you know, I'm interested, this independent tribunal that uh, would be, again, as the term implies, independent from the criminal justice system. How would it be constituted and, and based on what criteria? I mean, you were saying you write a letter to, but I mean, they have to evaluate these things. Uh, I'm sure there might be some that would be considered frivolous. I mean, a lot of people go Definitely. to prison saying they're innocent. So how, how would you go about that? Well, uh, you would appoint what you might call commissioners to the tribunal. Uh, they, uh, if you look at other countries, they come from all walks of life. Obviously, uh, a lot of them are lawyers, retired judges, uh, retired Crown attorneys, retired defense lawyers, retired ordinary civil lawyers, uh, along with retired police officers um, and uh, other civilians um, make up the uh, commissions in other countries, and they take a case and they investigate it. And, you know, we've been doing that at Innocence Canada now for more than 25 years, and and, uh, we know how to do it. It's, It's... it's time-consuming, very time-consuming, uh, and, and financially demanding. And, uh, of course, the tribunal would be financed by the federal government, but its members would be independent of the government. Uh, they'd be appointed by it, but that would be the end of their, their relationship, you might say, with the government. Uh, they, they would effectively become uh, judges. Uh, a, a sort of, it sort of would be a new court, you might say, but it wouldn't be a a courtroom that you would go to and, and, and watch its proceedings. It would work uh, behind the scenes uh, and determine if a case had merit. And if it does, they would have the power, and this would be their only power, to refer the case back to the appeal court of the province where the person was convicted. At the moment, only the minister can do that. So the minister is like a wall to any remedy for a person who's been wrongly convicted. A tribunal would become a, a milestone, if you like, uh, to uh, showing that you've been wrongly convicted. But they would have the last word on this then? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That would be the idea. They would be the complete substitute for the minister. At the moment, it's the minister who is the only one and uh, who has the last word, and we would move him or her out of it, and it would be the tribunal. To, have, to be the only one to have the last word. Mr. Lockyer, I'm curious, you know, with all of the advocacy you've been involved in for 26 years, I mean, did you notice where uh, there might have been a turning point or a watershed moment, like maybe uh, advances with DNA evidence kind of kicking the doors open on this, uh, really shedding a light on how many people had gone erroneously to jail? Well, uh, DNA certainly had a, an impact, uh, not as big an impact as it has south of the border. Uh, south of the border, so many cases involve uh, cross-racial identification of, of uh, uh, black people convicted of, of crimes they didn't commit, usually on the basis of erroneous eyewitness identification, classic cases for the use of DNA. In, in Canada, there have been some DNA post-conviction uh, exonerations. David Mogards is one of them. Um, uh, and in the process, 
uh, we showed who did the crime, a man called Larry Fisher, who was then prosecuted uh, 28 years later and convicted of the crime uh, that David Milgard has spent 23 years in jail for. But I think the turning point uh, was really with, with Donald Marshall, uh, Guy Paul Moran, David Milgard. If, if you remember back then, I, I don't mm-hmm. know how old you are, but I do, <laughs> the three M's mm-hmm. um, got talked about a lot, and it opened up public consciousness to the existence of wrongful convictions and how the system can get it wrong. And since then, uh, Innocence Canada particularly uh, have been exposing Uh, We're now up in the high 20s for exposing wrongful convictions in Canada. Some of them have been very low-key, and some of them have been very high-key. Stephen Truscott, a very high-key one, for example, and and, uh, Glenna Soon, who you already mentioned, the most recent one out of Nova Scotia. So, you know, I I think uh, it's public consciousness, and how could anyone really complain about creating a a sort of a a fail-safe system for the wrongly convicted that is not dependent on a politician. I don't have anything against politicians, but politicians don't just think justice. They think politics, too. They have to. That's what they do for a living. Which is why this reform is necessary. I appreciate you coming on and explaining it, and uh, good luck going forward. Okay, lovely to talk to you. Likewise, James Lockyer again, uh, advocate for the wrongly convicted. Innocence Canada is the project that's looking after these matters, and now you know. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.